Hey there. Welcome to a bonus episode of Just to Be Nominated, a podcast about movies that is distributed by Lee Enterprises. The show is hosted by me, Chris Lay, the podcast operations manager for Lee, along with Bruce Miller, an entertainment reporter for multiple decades who is currently the editor of the Sioux City Journal, and Jared McNett, a reporter for the Globe Gazette in Mason City, Iowa. This time, uh, I'm going to be talking with Jared about the movie theater experience in general, specifically as it pertains to blockbuster fare like Godzilla vs. Kong, which Jared saw this past weekend in a real, honest-to-God movieplex. A quick note that this was recorded on Monday before it was announced that a bunch of theaters on the West Coast, Arclight Cinemas and Pacific Theaters, won't be reopening, which makes my optimistic predictions about the theater industry later in this episode sound pretty silly. But hey, a guy can hope, can't he? As always, you can check the show notes for links to where you can stream the movies that we talked about and discover older episodes as well. Now, here it is. Our show kicks off after this short pause. Um, so I, I feel like this is not the uh, not the normal uh, theater going experience by any uh, stretch of the imagination. Uh, not just because of the uh, still ongoing uh, pandemic, obviously, but uh, in fact, in particular, that um, somehow I, I still don't entirely know how. Um, there's a, uh, a theater that's in Ames, uh, that's in a mall that, uh, was willing to rent out a theater for like a hundred bucks. So me and three other people split the cost. So 25 bucks a pop to have a whole theater to ourselves to watch Kong versus Godzilla or Godzilla versus King Kong. There we go. So Kong versus Godzilla, four people in a theater, honestly, a hundred dollars. That's not bad. No, I, I I still can't believe that's what that's what it ran for that. But I guess maybe because it was on a it, we saw it at like Saturday at like eleven, which is about the weirdest time you can go and, and see a movie. No, I don't think anyone goes and sees movies at that time of day. I normally don't, so that might have factored in a little bit too. But yeah, that was the uh, that was the setup. Had a, a large uh, cream soda in hand and a, a giant like refillable popcorn thing and. Uh, just the uh, ideal setting to watch a uh, movie where a giant monkey fights a giant lizard. Multiple times. And yes, then to, multiple times. And then together they, they fight a robot uh, lizard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I put off watching this movie until heading into this conversation. And I'm, I'm a little bit bummed out that I did not get the chance to see it in a theater because it totally <laughs> is the the exact kind of experience that, I mean, it's a, it's a spectacle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And sitting here at my desk while it's on the, you know, this, this smallish TV and, you know, I'm listening to it on, on earbuds or whatever is, I mean, I'm not saying that the, the Kong franchise is, you know, auteur level. <laughs> right filmmaking but it kind of is and mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like I, I did a little bit of a, of a disservice so we, we can bring it back have you been to any theaters in the past 12 months so I I went to a drive-in to see Tenet that was whenever Tenet came out and I've completely forgotten a lot of that because that movie's plot is still incomprehensible to me um forwards and backwards, then, upside down yeah Yep. And then I did see 
the little things in Judas and the Black Messiah, both at like late screenings when no one else was really around. Um, but obviously neither one of those, like I could have watched both of those at home and it would have been pretty much the exact same thing and I wouldn't have missed much. But honestly, if this hadn't come together to like see this in a, a space like that where it was just me and like three friends, I don't know if I would have wanted, I probably, I actually, I know I wouldn't have wanted to go and see it with a whole bunch of other um, people yet, but because of the particulars of it being just a super small setting and like there weren't even any other people in any of the other theaters really, it seemed it was like maybe three or four people in the hallway going to see like uh, Nobody and like uh, Raya and whatever that movie's full title is uh, that I don't remember off the top of my head. So yeah, it was, if not for that particular ideal setting, I don't know if I would have gone and seen this in a theater either. What were the conversations that you had with your friends about any safety requirements? I mean, are you, are you vaccinated? No, not yet. So uh, and I'm increasingly one of the only people that uh, hasn't been because I just have not had uh, the most luck yet with uh, getting registered through public health because obviously it's still in pretty high uh, demand. Um, but yeah, no, we had to be like, um, you know, like masked up and everything, um, like in the hallways and stuff and all that. So obviously there's all kinds of uh, protocol stuff um, too. And then it was a little more like whatever we felt comfortable doing once we were in the theater, since it was just the, the four of us. So, um, although we ended up having to sit kind of close together just because uh, one of us had the popcorn and the other people wanted the popcorn, so. <laughs> it's, a, it's a logistical quandary you, you have to confront when you're. <laughs> well, I got really excited at first. I was like, damn, well, I can sit anywhere in the theater and I can even move seats throughout the, the course of the movie. This will be great. Uh, and then I was like, oh no, I am tethered to that, uh, that bu big bucket of popcorn. Wherever that is, that's where I, I must be. Yeah, I mean, that really, even in the, the before times, I guess, the idea of having a theater all to yourself with your group. I mean, that, that's happened a handful of times to me in my mm -hmm. life. And it is such a unique feeling of, you know, security and this very, I don't know, makes you feel like a, a king or something. And then there's also the, for as many times I think I've had the theater all to myself with whoever I came with, there's also the, a handful of moments where right up until showtime you thought yes. you were gonna have the whole place oh, to yourself. Oh god. And then <laughs> it's a miserable feeling. <laughs> it's a miserable feeling. But it's, and it's such a I mean it, it is it is a feeling unlike any other that I can really put like it's not like like you're not like let down in I don't know, there's a um like it's nothing you did to deserve <laughs> no situation it's not like anything was snatched from you unfairly it's just like oh man <laughs> yeah one of the only ones i can remember ha having to myself with friends where it wasn't intended was and i don't remember anything about it it was not a great movie which is unfortunate it couldn't have been a better one but the movie alamo with like billy bob uh thornton and uh i don't even remember who dennis quaid i think was in that too it was a disney movie um I don't remember anything from it other than the fact that it, it was me and two of my friends and that was the only people in the theater, which is probably why that movie isn't remembered now because no one saw it. Exactly. So this experience, you and your friends um, kind of stayed relatively far apart. Uh, you saw the movie. How did it compare? I mean, like, do, do you feel like this is, not every theater in America, I guess, is gonna have a $100 four-person special. Um, yeah. 
although I'm sure that if I was to call up any of the theaters in, in Madison, Wisconsin right now and made them an offer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that. What is it going to take? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it might get kicked up to the, to the manager or whatever, but I'm sure that there would be a, uh, well, how much are we talking about? <laughs> Especially if you pick the time of day that no one goes anyway, then you could, I think, really start making a conversation there. Exactly. Do a little early bird special on a uh, on a Friday, take the yeah. day off type thing. Um, but no, um, com- coming out of the, the movie, um, one of the things I was immediately thinking about was like one of my all-time uh, favorite movies that I've talked about before is 2001 – a Space Odyssey. I absolutely love that movie. And like when I watch it on just like a TV at home, it's not the same and it lessens the the movie for me a little bit. When I the two times I've been fortunate enough to see it on a big screen are like two of my favorite experiences ever and you know, I could imagine it would be the same thing watching this movie just at home or you know on an iPad or or anything else like that. Obviously, you can you can probably tell that at least a little bit is lost from that seeing it on a big screen and that's sort of why I'm thankful for something like this is that it kind of is proof that movies still need to be in theaters and not just on like Netflix or Amazon Prime. Yeah it's a reminder of the power of that experience even if the movie that you saw was just this incredibly stupid uh, you know I mean just slugfest between a bunch of CGI monsters which 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 King Kong won, by the way, two to one. I was counting. There were three main <laughs> fights. King Kong won two of them. I think, yeah. I mean, it is worth also noting that I think the the structure of it was very as as someone who grew up at a time when there were so many comic book uh, versus uh, situations that were it was like Spawn versus Batman, or oh, you know, and it's like well they're going to show up in the same universe. They're going to fight. And then they're going to realize they have to team up against something else. Like every single versus battle always turns into a team. I mean, I'm maybe I'm spoiling this, but I mean, and I'm not going to say, well, whatever. <laughs> there's, yeah. no, there's no real spoiling this movie. It's not, no. uh, not the kind of thing that you're going to walk out of. I did not see that ending coming. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, and like the, there's no post credits or anything, so it's really not a movie you can spoil too much of. No, no, um, and yeah, it's interesting that you brought up 2001 because I think I've mentioned this in the past on the podcast, and I don't know if if you remember this, but it was like a few years ago when was it like the the 40th anniversary? They they put it back in IMAX yep. theaters. 50th, 50th, yeah, yeah with this like newly restored print um, Mm -hmm. and you know, this glorious experience. And so me and a couple of friends got tickets to go see 2001 at the, the one IMAX screen in Madison. And I think it was actually the last day that they were screening Mm -hmm. the film. And you know how in the middle of it, there's the intermission. Yep. And me and my friends were like, all right, do we get up and, and go, you know, grab another soda? Do we, whatever. And then before we can get up, a commercial starts playing. <laughs> oh no. The, the movie theater had inserted an entire, I mean, it felt like 25 minutes. Like it was, oh, okay, no. so they're, so they're going to do this thing 
with the, the overture at, you know, during the intermission and they're just going to play some, you know, commercials or whatever. And, and it's like, all right, like this is, this is not good, but at least it guarantees that we have a little extra time to wait in sure. line for, you know, sodas and popcorn and whatever else and, you know, take a leak. And then when we all get back, we sit there for like 15 more minutes just watching like Chrysler commercials um, and, oh, and it, it became this ridiculous slog. At the end of every single commercial, we would just be like, is there going to be another? Is there going to be another? And then, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. And it was, oh man. Yeah, it, it was a, a horrible experience. Like the movie was, the experience was ruined, but it was so, such a unique way to screw up the experience. Yeah, that is that is not what I would have had on the the board of like what would have gone wrong. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's uh, I mean, it's also one of the one of the only Kubrick films that features a whole lot of product placement. So it kind of fit a little bit. I mean, there's like Pan mm-hmm. Am is all in there, and I think uh, what is it, Howard Johnson, whatever. There's like the uh, the space yeah. the hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's uh, I can't remember. Like, there's the the can- anyway. So it kind of fit a little bit, but also it was just completely ridiculous. And I, I texted some of my friends, one of whom lives in Hawaii and the other who lives in North Carolina. And, uh, and I was like, did this happen to you guys when you saw this in the theater like last weekend or whatever? And they were like, hell no, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, so, yeah. Did, did the, the movie, the movie did eventually finish though, right? It just wasn't like uh, commercials. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. At, at some point it did click back in, but yeah, there was just the, the whole uh, shared profoundly uncomfortable experience of, just sitting there while, you know, uh, what is it? J. Jonah Jameson tries to sell you farmer's insurance. Uh, Watching the movie, how you did, I'm curious how um, convincing to you was like the, the CGI and some of the special effects and stuff like that. Everything about it felt great. Mm-hmm. I mean, like even sitting here on, I don't know how big this, you know, little you know, flat screen TV is sitting on the desk in, in the office where I'm recording this. Um, but it looked fine. I have, I have yeah. zero qualms with it. It wasn't the, the thought definitely crossed my head that they, they took their time with it. They invested in it. Uh, it wasn't like, you know, one of those like things where, you know, a CGI movie comes out and just looks terrible. Uh, yeah. And then there, then you find out that the, you know, computer graphics firm that they hired was so strained under the weight of a, it, there wasn't any, any cats moment <laughs> to this. Yeah. And um, honestly, some of it felt more convincing to me than some of the Marvel movie fights at this point, like to be quite honest, like. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the actual fight sequences were really well directed. I, I never, you know, felt lost in in the way that like you mentioned with the marvel movies sometimes you can um, where you don't know what's happening <laughs> exactly like the battle of yep. midtown or whatever uh from the first avengers movie is you know one of it's it's fine but you're trying to just keep track of so much stuff all at once and they just it's it's impossible 
uh, to, to do that. Whereas with this, yeah, I felt like it was, you know, pretty solid. Um, the, and then, go ahead. I was going to say, and then just some of the, the aesthetics and stuff I, I dug quite a bit too. And I, I was talking about that over the weekend. Like I liked the, the, the sci-fi elements that they ended up going with. I was actually kind of like interested and intrigued by and wouldn't have minded them like delving into some of that stuff even a little bit more. And like speaking of 2001, maybe the reason I first started thinking about that after I left the theater is like the, there's a little beat in the movie where they like, they have this big plan of how they're going to like solve the fact that there's a Godzilla and King Kong where they go into like hollow earth, uh, which we'll get to in a second about all the conspiracy theory stuff that was in the movie. Um, and to do that, they have to like go through like inverse gravity or some like, you know, scientific mumbo jumbo for the purposes of the movie. And like, it reminded me a little bit of like the Stargate thing from, uh, from 2001, a space odyssey. So some of the aesthetics even of the movie, I dug quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. The, the conspiracy stuff that you mentioned did jump out at me as a not not a sticking point, but just a very obvious note for them to hit. Yeah. Um, with the you know conspiracy theorist podcast. Yes, uh, Brian Tyree Henry playing a podcaster, which is a very noble and dignified profession. There's what is it towards the end? There's a. <laughs> Uh, somebody, you know, says like, where do I know you from? <laughs> and I just wanted to be like, that TV show Atlanta. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously weird. It's Paperboy. Paperboy. Um, I think and- the line of the movie for me was, um, I think it was Kyle Chandler telling uh, Millie Bobby Brown that podcast is filling your head with garbage. <laughs> Not wrong. Not no. wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a ton of fun. I had a blast uh, watching it. I wish I'd seen it in the theater. Uh, and yeah. One one other thing I was wondering about, and I was, I was kind of thinking in my head, um, and I'm curious to hear what you think. Do you think it's, I don't know what the right word is, but do you think it's legitimate for critics to be reviewing a movie like this in particular if they only watched it at home or somewhere other than a theater? I mean, the, there, there's a divide between mm-hmm. the way that critics see movies in general, between mm-hmm. it being either screeners, which they can only watch at home, or early screenings. Um, you know, I'm thinking of the you know, famous you know, Chicago screening room that like Siskel and Ebert and all the AV club guys used to go to and um, you know, see stuff you know, a month or whatever out. And it's, even even if this was a, a normal time, I don't necessarily know that they would have been watching it in a packed house opening yeah. weekend. So I don't think that it necessarily hinders, but mm-hmm. every single film review of the past 12 months is going to have to have some kind of asterisk to it. Yep. Um, and... um yeah, I mean, it's the, I mean, this year's Oscars are going to have a, a weird asterisk. And then it's also next year's Oscars because the pipeline for everything has been so strange that it's going to have ripples down for at least like four or five years of movies that were in development and planned to be awards bait for last year are going to now have to be awards bait for this year going up against movies that were <laughs> planned to be yep. awards bait for this year already. And um, 
yeah, it's it's going to be a whole weird uh, kettle of fish uh, going forward. Yeah, it, it just seems like um, trying to do that, even though obviously that happens plenty, even, you know, when there isn't a pandemic, trying to write about something like that without, like, seeing it in the ideal situation would almost be like trying to, like, write about or cover, like, I don't know, like a music festival or something just through, like, live streams and stuff like that. You, I mean, you would get, like, what, maybe 85% of it, but then that other, like, 15%, you're not going to get unless you're going to be there because it's more, way more ephemeral, ephemeral and way more, like, context-driven, sure. which any art is, not just movies, but, I mean, obviously a movie theater changes things quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, and, I mean, like you were saying with the two movies that you actually saw in the theater before this, um, the, the Little Things and... Judas and the Black Messiah. Judas and yep. the Black Messiah. Um, I mean, those are ones that translate relatively well uh, mm-hmm. to at-home viewing, like you were saying. Uh, and, you know, going forward, I don't know if it's the kind of thing where they're just going to put those on streamers in general or just put them out in, you know, San Francisco, Chicago, L.A., you know, Boston, New York. I mean, the big, you know, the cities where, you know, they get stuff a week or two before everybody else. And I, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, and it kind of sucks, but we'll see how it goes. It, it, I will say, I mean, over the past, you know, five or six months or whatever, it definitely feels that theaters are going to be in better shape than I had expected coming out of the pandemic or, you know, whatever stage of coming out of the pandemic that we're at right now. Yeah. Um, I'm a lot more optimistic, but it's, still, I mean, it's impossible to think of there not being some kind of a larger effect on, on that industry. Um, and, you know, I mean, I mean, the whole year of HBO stuff is going to be Warner Brothers movies going there for a month and then disappearing, um, you know, while, while they're in theaters. And um, I mean, we're going to get the Black Widow movie on Disney Plus before it, you know, before, uh, it can really make a bunch of money in a theater. And that's, yep. that's going to be, I think the, the real test um, just to see how that feels of seeing something that was, you know, designed to be that kind of blockbuster coming out under the banner of Disney plus, which has been doing all of the TV shows, which kind of have that same feel and is, is a black widow movie watched on the same screen you know, set up that you've got at home where you've been watching Falcon and Winter Soldier and WandaVision, is the Black Widow movie going to feel like a movie as opposed to a TV show compared to yeah. everything else? Yeah, it's, um, it's going to be really interesting uh, just to see how things shake out, but it definitely feels like we are, everything's been fast forwarded. <clears throat> everything's been fast forwarded as far as how the industry is going to have to absorb all of the home viewing and it's yeah, it's 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 weird. <laughs> and I, if, I can't um, wait. I, I can't wait to get back to theaters. So yeah, I, I mean that was definitely you know a big part of it too. I because um, I'm relatively certain none of my other I know I know for sure at least one of my friends hadn't seen anything else. So this, this was their first thing in more than a year. Actually, appropriately enough, the last thing they saw before this was a. Uh, Uncut Gems, which considering how that movie ends, seems like that was a perfect movie to go into 2020. Uh, <laughs> <Boy>. <laughs> which is the pure chaos of that movie. 
weirdly predictive of the way the year went. Um, but yeah, I, I, it is kind of funny to think that one of the things that might uh, end up kind of rescuing movie theaters a little bit, because it's done pretty well at the box office, uh, Godzilla versus Kong. It's kind of funny to think that one of the movies that might rescue the box office isn't a Marvel movie, but uh, a Godzilla versus Kong movie. Yeah, some big kaiju film. Yep. Yeah, going back to the the oldest franchises there are. And something I was thinking about too that I, I kind of uh, appreciate, not to um, not to dump on Marvel a little bit more, but and it it doesn't seem like they're going to either going to or can do much more with like a future of this stuff maybe they can but now that they've had Godzilla fight King Kong I don't know too much more they can do that's kind of the, the biggest draw so I if they stopped after this I would kind of respect that that they did like four movies and then got out and moved on to something else versus just keep doing this extended universe of like Godzilla and uh, Kong villains yeah I mean it really just comes down to how much money it makes and yep. I mean, if, if there's one aspect of the industry that I have absolute faith will live on, if something makes money, they're going to demand that we get more of it, regardless yep. of whether it's appropriate or not. <laughs> yep. Um, and I mean, you can look at, you know, so much of, you know, Netflix and HBO and the way that they've done, I mean, the, what is it, Sharp Objects, <laughs> you know, with that second season that had no business being made and then came out and it's like, oh, well, this... I, I get it now. It shouldn't have happened. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't even really thought, I mean, I've, you know, fantasized about going back to theaters, but it's always been in a, how is this going to be bad? Like, what are the, mm -hmm. what are the ways that I'm going to be made uncomfortable in this theater? And it definitely seems like I am much more, able to look ahead and say that when I go back, I'm not going to have to worry about that either from a, a personal vaccination standpoint or just a general herd uh, standpoint. And maybe we also have the, the benefit of being able to say, say that where we are. Whereas I feel like in, you know, somewhere like LA or New York, you know, or in any, any of these other cities that have a very clear, uptick in numbers um yep. which is not to say that madison or you know mason city are not are, are you know not in the clear <laughs> but right. still i i couldn't imagine a you know like, like like a trolls world tour opening and being a a mass uh you know contamination event <laughs> so <laughs> a, a super spreader event in in the way that it would have been um. you know 12 months ago that would be the just the worst publicity for a movie like that. Oh man, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, well, hopefully, may that not happen to any future Trolls movies. May the the Trolls movies uh, have only the best possible publicity. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we can uh, we'll be back in a week with more uh, picks. I think the, is it the, the Directors Guild, uh, I think, just had its awards recently. And then we'll, uh, I think, check in, I think, a week before the Oscars. Mm -hmm. um, and then directly after the Oscars, which are oh. coming up, man. 
Oh yeah, just and I'm I'm looking forward to all of those, and it does seem like more and more everything is starting to get uh, locked in with a lot of that, especially like Chloe Zhao. Even more seems like a lock after the Directors Guild stuff. I was gonna say uh, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, mention it before getting out of here. Just being a big uh, music fan, but then also this being a uh, movie podcast. Uh, rest in peace to uh, DMX, who find who uh, died on uh, Friday after being in like a coma for about a week before that um on friday actually i uh rewatched uh or not rewatched watched for the first time excuse me a, a friend came up for the weekend and then we went down to ames on saturday but on friday night we watched uh belly the 19 was that 1998 uh movie that uh dmx and nas did that uh, hype williams the music video director made and it's an awesome movie. I am kind of sorry I hadn't watched it before. Um, DMX is incredible in it. Nas is less so, not really much of a, <laughs> a screen presence uh, in that one, but it was uh, a joy to watch. And he was, DMX was really good in uh, Cradle to the Grave, which was a movie I enjoyed a lot as a kid. Uh, him and Jet Li, and just a really hokey, but ultimately fun, like robbery uh, movie. And so, yeah, it's a, a huge bummer, not just for some of the fun movies he was in, but he's an uh, incredible musician too. Once in a, a generation uh, talent as a uh, as a rapper. So. Yeah, and a uh, I, if you're throwing out Belly, I will throw out um, Exit Wounds. Yeah, the, the movie that he made with Steven Seagal, which <laughs> is not good, but is certainly ridiculous, and it definitely falls into that uh, the kind of beginning of the end phase for for Steven Seagal uh, of just his complete lack of any martial arts ability being very evident. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those completely ridiculous films that I made a point to go see at the, you know, third run theater in, in Charlotte, North Carolina with, you know, with, with some high school buddies and, we very much enjoyed it under that circumstance. So mm -hmm. having recommended belly and exit wounds, I guess we can finish off by, uh, by saying, uh, go see something good. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, yep. and we'll see, uh, we'll, we'll be back in, uh, in a week, I guess thereabouts. Looking forward to it. So that is the episode. You can check the show notes for links to where you can stream the movies that we talked about. You can discover older episodes and find ways to contact Bruce, Jared, and myself as well if you want. Next time you hear from us, Bruce will be back and we'll be factoring in winners and losers at the Director's Guild Awards and taking a last look at our personal Oscar expectations. So make sure that you're subscribed to the show on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on. The show is produced by myself, Bruce, and Jared, and I'm the one who records and edits it. We hope you enjoyed it and are taking care of yourself out there. As always, thank you so much for listening.